Tonight we're in the middle of a series called What's What Works. Uh, we really hope uh, that when we preach here on a Sunday, uh, it's not only in this series we talk about things that work. We hope everything we say works. Uh, that is our plan. Uh, but really in this series, we're really getting back to some of the foundational principles uh, of our faith and what Jesus said uh, and really trying to take hold of what works. Not just what works for today, but what works for my life. Because there's some solutions you can come up with today that will ruin your tomorrow. They might make today better, but they'll make tomorrow worse. There's some coping mechanisms that you can embrace today that will cause things to be tougher tomorrow. There's some habits you that make today great. It's great to eat KFC today. It's not good for you tomorrow, as I will experience tomorrow because I had it for lunch. But uh, there, there's things, there's habits that, that are healthy, that seem right today, but will actually make your tomorrow work worse. What I love about Scripture and these principles is we're trying to talk about, no, not just what's working for you today, but what can you build your life on? What's some principles that you can build and patterns you can build into your world that are going to enable you to take hold of the fullness of God, the fullness of what Jesus has in store for you. When it comes to following Jesus, we we have the choice, we have the choice to follow Jesus, we have the choice to follow God, but when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, you have a choice to follow Jesus, but we don't necessarily choose what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus laid out what it means to follow Him. So we choose to follow Him and then we embrace His Word and what it means to be a follower. A lot of people want to choose Jesus, but they also want to choose how to follow Jesus. Jesus says, no, come with me. I give you a choice if you want to come or not, but if you come, here's how we're going to do it. Because this is what's going to work in your life. This is what's going to work in your world. And we want to look at some of those principles, some of those things in your life. You know, Proverbs 14, as we find the, uh, the, the scripture that talks about there is a way that appears right to man, but leads only to death. And at the end of the day, we can follow our ideas. We can follow our own good thoughts. We can follow our own cool dreams. But at the end of the day, if they're not laid before God and laid down and submitted to the presence of God and the direction of God and the principles of God, they won't lead us to the life that God promises. They won't lead us to the life that He has, has put in place for us. And some things in Christianity, what I've, I've realized that actually work, uh, don't always sound that sexy. Some things that don't sound that cool, they don't sound like they rhyme and have real nice slick points. Because some of the things I've worked that work in my life with, with God are things like perseverance works. It doesn't sound super fun. It doesn't sound super exciting, but it works. Consistency works. It doesn't sound super adventurous, but it works. Showing up, being with God, remaining in God. You know, we we look often for the exciting things, but sometimes it's some of these basic foundational principles. Yeah, we can do great acts of faith, but do you have the faith to wake up and be consistent? It takes more faith to be consistent than sometimes we give, give it granted. And there's things in our life like perseverance, consistency that, that enable us to build a life. And one of the things I want to look at that's enabled me to build a life, that I, it's enabled me to take hold of some of the things God's got in my life is that thing, one of the things is surrender. I believe surrender works. I believe surrendering to God Works. The problem is with some of these things and some lessons in life, we are just adamant to learn them the hard way. 
And I've found surrender is one of those things that most people, like myself, it, even though people can get up and talk about surrendering to God, really we like to learn it the hard way. And I come to a point, but there's times uh, at the end of the day, I know surrender works because I've also found out lack of surrender doesn't work. I know surrender works because I've, I've, I've found out my own ideas don't work. I've found surrender works because I've realized my pride and my stubbornness doesn't work. I've found surrender works. One thing surrender has done is surrendering to God has saved me from my own stupidity. That's what surrendering will do. At times, there's been times in this journey with God where it's been great, and there's been times uh, on my journey with God which leave you uh, with some big questions going, where are you at and all of this, God? I don't know if I can handle this, God. I don't know if I signed up for this, God. And it's in those moments where we're really, we're asking, well, well, are you surrendered to God? Because what a lot of people see as surrender is actually just agreement. I'm in agreement with God, but the moment I disagree with God, now, now, now what happens? Surrender kicks in, not, once you, not when you're in agreement with God. Surrender kicks in when you're in disagreement with God. Otherwise, I'm, if, I just, if me and God are always on the same page about everything, I'm in agreement with God, and that's a good thing to have. But then there's some things where me and God have thought different about situations. But at that, that, that moment, it's like, no, I'm going to surrender to God. I remember the time in my life, some of you know the story of when, when, I, when I thought it was a great idea to move down to the middle of nowhere in the South Island. It was a bad idea because even the name of the town was called Athol. And that's a, that's, that should be red flags right there. But I had a plan for my life, and it wasn't to pursue the plan of God for my life. It had come to a point where I was tired, I was frustrated, I was holding on to some bitterness, and so my plan was to get away and go be a fencer. And I, I moved down there for a week, and it was the worst week of my life, and I quickly came crawling back to the plan of God. But at the end of the day, there's times in life where you're going to find in this Christianity where your will and God's will are going to collide where your desires and God's desires will collide. In that moment, that's where surrender takes place. Because surrender isn't needed when you're in agreement. For some of you, as I talk about surrender and submission to God, for some of you, you grew up watching too much wrestling. So the idea in your mind as I talk about these things <laughs> is you're thinking about wrestling and tapping out. Ah, oh, that's the kind of surrendering that first pops to mind. In fact, the surrender word comes from the idea of battle. It is actually a battle word. When one, when one army would, would conquer another, they'd come to a point where one army feels so defeated, they would just surrender. They'd lay down their tools. They'd lay down their weapons. They'd lay down their will and just say, okay, we surrender over to you. We come under you. And while that's a picture of God, what I've realized with God, how God brings us to that point is very different. See, when you think about wrestling, which is more relevant for some of you, or you, or you think about war, surrender comes when another one feels conquered and I can't do anything about it. But surrendering to God is a little bit different because God's not going to come down here and wrestle you. All right, God's not going to come down and force you into submission or force you into surrender. What God does is He puts His love on display, His grace on display, His plan and purpose for your life on display. He says, hey, I've got plans for you, but will you choose to surrender? 
not by force, but be compelled by the awe of who God is and the grace in which God has for your life? And would you allow the revelation of the King of Kings that thinks about me and designed me and knows that I mucked up but died for me? And so I don't surrender to God because I have to, but I surrender to God because I'm in awe of who He is and I'm in awe of His grace. So I willingly choose to say, well, I've got a plan, God, but I trust you more. I've got an idea, God, but I trust you more. I, I, I've got thoughts, but, but I, trust, I trust you more. I trust you more, God. I surrender not because of force, but because of love. Because of my awareness of his sovereignty. And because of my revelation on the idea that God is my creator. My creator. And at the end of the day, when it comes to the Christian life, there's different levels of surrender. In fact, just being saved... That decision of salvation, it's a degree of, of surrender in that moment. It takes, it takes a heart to say, hey, I'm going to stop trying to earn, earn God's, God's grace. I'm going to stop trying to deserve my way back to God or earn my way back to God. But I just surrender to the grace of Jesus and say, God, I surrender my sin, my life over to you. And there's a surrender that takes place in salvation. But what I've realized in Christianity, that surrender isn't just a one-time thing. Surrender is a con continual journey. And different seasons require different levels of surrendering. Different spaces require different, different levels. In fact, what, what I've come to realize, even, even in my own heart, that actually uh, I take hold of salvation by faith, but I take hold of the purpose of God by surrender. That it's through my faith in Jesus that I take hold of salvation, but it's actually in my act of surrendering I take hold of the purpose and plan for my life. And I want to just quickly look tonight, just that one story, and it's a common story. It's a well-known story, especially if you grew up in church. It's, it's the story of Jonah. I like the story of Jonah because really what Jonah is, is a, a city got saved because a man decided to surrender. And surrender isn't actually, the, the, in the story of Jonah, I'll tell you the end and then we'll look right through it, is, is Jonah goes to a, a city that God had called him to and preaches the Word of God, but he didn't do it out of faith, he did it out of surrender. He, he actually didn't do it out of, out of faith to see that city saved, he did it out of obedience to what God had asked him to do. Because there's some things in life that God needs our faith and there's other things where God just says, hey, would you just surrender and trust me in this? And the salvation of a whole city came because one man decided to surrender to the will of God. But what the question we've got to look at is, is that, that sounds awesome, but you also got to look at his journey to surrender. Because while we all like to say, you know what, I love to, to surrender to the will and purpose of God, often there's a journey to come into a real point of of surrender. In fact, if you look at Jonah at the very start of it in Jonah 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and it said, go to the city of Nineveh and, and preach against it because the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran, I like the book of Jonah, it kind of just gets straight into it. But Jonah ran away and headed for Tarshish. Now, the question you got to ask here is, well, why did Jonah run? 
there's very little context in those first few scriptures for us to actually understand why, why did Jonah run? A lot for the, the outset from the start, you can see, well, well if, as you know, uh, the city God was calling him to go to was not a city Jewish people liked. In fact, it was a, it was a city at the time which had, had a lot of corruption in it and it was a, a, of high danger for Jonah to go there. So the city itself going to do what God asked him to do was going to come at the potential risk of his own life. Not only that, is that city was the capital of a nation that had once defeated Israel. So not only is God asking him to go to a city that, that is life risking, he's also going saying, hey, would you go and preach the gospel to people that once conquered your people, that once destroyed your people? Would you go and preach my word to them? So not only was it talking to his, his fear, it was also talking to his unforgiveness and his hurt and his history. And God's saying, hey, I want you to go back into a place that's probably going to bring up some trauma, but I also want you to go back with the Word of God. And so here he's facing some huge internal challenges. Huge internal challenges. So he's got a number of reasons to run. I run because I'm afraid. I run because I don't want to face that. I run because I don't want to deal with the pain of that. I run because I want to avoid that. There's many reasons Jonah could have run. We don't know the exact reason he ran, but he ran. There's many reasons why we run in this room. There's many reasons we run. In fact, one, one, one uh, study would suggest that even in the book of Jonah, the fact that it talks about how Jonah ran so quick from the command of God, God could suggest this, is that he once had obeyed the word of God and it didn't work out for him. So when the voice of God spoke again, he said, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. Because last time I got disappointed, last time it didn't work out. Last time, the fact he ran so quick suggests perhaps he had heard God before. Perhaps he had tried God before. Perhaps he had believed in God before. Perhaps he had stepped out on God before and he surrendered to God once before, but it didn't work out the way he thought. It didn't work out the way he thought it was going to come about. And so when God speaks again, he goes, well, I've tried that surrender thing. That's a suggestion on one of the reasons he ran. But the important question is not why did Jonah run? The important question tonight for us is why are you running? Why are you running? I've ran because of fear. I've ran because of pride. I've ran because of pressure. I've ran because I'm not ready to lay things down. I've ran because of past experiences but what you look at when it comes to the life of Jonah is quite interesting is it actually took more effort for him to run than it would have taken for him to just obey in the first place. The journey he took was far longer than it needed to be. The journey he took was far harder than it needed to be. But the fact is that the end day, because he wouldn't surrender in the moment, God had to take him on a longer journey. I don't know about you, but I only got so many years in this life. Well, I do know about you. You've got the same, same reality. We might have different years, but we only, we've got a set amount of years. I don't want to spend it that long, God taking 10, 20 years to do something in my life that he wanted to do in a moment. But my inability to surrender in a moment meant he had to take me on a longer journey. But we look at the idea of running, and we can go, man, running... Running sounds so extreme. And for some of you in this room, you're even in this place and there's areas in your life, not every area because you're here, but there's areas in your life where you're running from God. 
you're running from the voice of God. You're running from the prompting of God. You're running from God. I want to say from the outset, you're doing a terrible job of it. Like if you feel like you're running from God and you're showing up to church, I'm like, mate, you need lessons on how to run from God, all right? Because you're really failing. (laughs) But running doesn't always look like backsliding. Running doesn't always look like, like turning your back on God. Running can just be choosing to stay where you are. Choosing not to move forward. Choosing not to forgive. Choosing not to do that study you feel God put on your heart. Choosing not to leave that study that God's telling you to leave. It can just be ignoring. But if you look at the story of Jonah, that actually Jonah running isn't the only example where surrender was needed in the story. In fact, if you carry on in the story, it says in, in verse 4, it says the Lord sent great wind, uh, great wind on the sea. It goes on in, in verse 5, it says all the soldiers were afraid and each cried out to their own God that they would lighten and they'd throw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell asleep. The captain went to see him. He asked him this question, how can you sleep? Do you know one thing running does? Is running blinds you to your own chaos. It blinds you to the mess you're creating. He's a captain and now not only has Jonah's unwillingness to surrender to God caused him to run it's now caused problems for other people his surrender caused the salvation of a whole bunch of people but his running caused a whole bunch of problems for a lot of people I say when we run we don't just create chaos in our life we can create chaos in the lives of the people around us but when we run we're often blind to it Jonah's here asleep while there's a whole mess going on upstairs. And then there comes this point where Jonah gets a realization of what's going on. And in verse 11, it says, you know, as the sea was getting rougher, they asked him because he explains what's taken place. He said, what should we do to make the sea calm down? In verse 12, Jonah gives this instruction, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He came to a point of realization that actually it's, it's not just God's meanness that has caused this, it's my disobedience that is, has caused my life to come into a point of mess. And, and in verse 13, it says this, instead the men did their best to row back the land. There was a moment where instruction came from Jonah, which is inspired by God, that actually the way to resolve this is to throw me over. But instead of surrendering to what God said in that moment, what do they do? They try and row through it. They try and row their way out of it. You see, there's a moment of surrender that needed to take place when the Word of God first came to Jonah. But then there's also a moment of surrender that needed to take place when it came to the redeeming of Jonah. And in our life, I realize there's some things we run from and then there's some things we try and row through. There's some things we're trying to row through. There's some people in this room and there's some stuff going on in your life and you know the best solution is just to get rid of it, but you just thought, now if I just keep on rowing with it. See what the soldiers would do, they were throwing out cargo to try and save the ship. They're throwing stuff out because they're holding on to the one thing they should throw out. 
And that's what happens when we hold on to stuff in our world that God's asking us to surrender. We end up throwing out things we don't need to throw in out, causing mess we don't need to cause, getting rid of things. Oh, that's just that. And we throw blame onto the wrong things. Why? Because deep down in our heart, we don't want to surrender, surrender the right thing that God's asking us to lay down. You see, when it comes to running from God, we run from God because we're trying to get away from what God's asking us to do or where God's asking us to go. But we keep growing, we keep rowing in our world because we don't want to throw over what God's asking us to throw over, let go of what God's asking us to let go. There's two moments of surrender that really needed to take place. First, it was the surrender to the direction, the will of God, the purpose of God. And the next was the surrendering the things that are in his life, the things that are in his boat. And you need to surrender when it comes to outliving and fulfilling the purpose of God on your life. You need to surrender to the direction God has on your life, but then also you need to surrender the things in your life. The things in your life. There comes a moment where they throw Jonah overboard and as the story goes, and we all know that God provided a big, whale to come and swallow Jonah was in the belly of a whale that Jonah finally surrenders to God I pray that God doesn't have to send a whale to get my attention I pray my heart is open enough is is willing enough to, to, to respond to the grace of God not the force of God not the, the, the pressure of this world, but actually I would respond to moments of grace in God. And then there's this moment where the whale comes and, and Jonah's redeemed inside the whale. He's spat up and he goes and proclaims the word of God like God and originally had asked him to do. And a, and a whole town, like I said, gets saved, turns to God, turns over to him. And it's a moment that could have taken place with a lot less hurt, a lot less hurt in Jonah's life, but also a lot less hurt in other people's lives. A moment that could have happened from the beginning if Jonah had just said, you know what, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. See, sometimes even in our surrendering to God, what we do is, is, is we put Christianese around our disobedience to make it sound like faith. You ever had God, I remember when I was finishing up high school and I knew what I actually had felt God call me to do. Much of what I'm doing today, I still believe what the future holds, still a dream in my heart. But I knew what God had called me to do, but I didn't want to embrace that reality because <laughs> at the time it didn't look fun. I was 17 years old, grew up in a town that I just wanted to get away from and but it wasn't so much the town, it was situations, it was things I was trying to get away from. So I came up with the idea that I was going to go work at a camp in America. I was going to go to Camp America. That's the plan of God for my life. And it was exciting enough that people got excited for me. That sounds awesome. And then I got a bit convicted because it wasn't very spiritual. So I changed it. I'm going to go work at a Christian camp in America. Now that sounds like God. I'd put Christianese around my own disobedience. And the danger is for some of us, we're embracing plans for our life, but deep down in your heart, I'm not talking to everyone tonight, but I'm talking to somebody. You know God's nudging on your heart. 
You know what God was actually asking me to do? Stay and do my trade. That wasn't as, as exciting. That, that was no way near as exciting. And I went into this moment of confusion and I was really annoyed because I, at the end of year 13, I had no idea what to do because I was in this battle of wrestling with God. And my biggest concern was at my year 13 leavers dinner, they always go through and put the photos of everyone and they say, they're going to go on to do their Bachelor of Science and they're going to go on to do med. And for those who don't have any plan for their life, they just say, and they're going to go on to do great things. And I don't want to have to be one of those people that were going to go on to do great things. I wanted a plan. I wanted something. But really, I was, I was wrestling with God. And I remember just one night coming to a point where I said, well, God, I don't care what it is, but I want to surrender to you. I trust you. I believe in you. And there's been moments on this journey where God's brought me back to moments of surrender. Probably two of my most significant moments of surrender haven't actually happened in a service. They've happened in my bedroom. Just me and God. I remember one was at that year age and then the other was back in the last part of Bible college where I had to re-surrender to God again but it's those moments of surrender that bring great clarity for some of you you're asking God for clarity but God's asking you for surrender you're asking God for a plan but God's asking you for your heart and if you would give God what he wants he will enable you to see what you want You'll get clarity, but clarity comes on the back of surrender. And so join in that moment. Again, there's two major points of surrender in the story. First of all, he stopped running. And then the people stopped rowing. He stopped running away from things and he stopped trying to row through things. Some of you tonight, you need to stop running. For some of you, you need to stop rowing. There's some three things you've welcomed on your boat. You just got to throw over. Some of you are wondering why this relationship's just not working. Well, because you should have never welcomed it in in the first place. And you're trying to roll it through. And God's just saying, hey, just throw it over. But the, de- the danger and why we don't like throwing things over is because sometimes we don't trust what God's going to do with it. They didn't want to throw Jonah over, not because they were trying to d- deliberately disobey God, but they were afraid of what, what was going to happen if they threw Jonah over. Because they, what they didn't realize is the redemption plan of God. And until they let go, they weren't going to let God do what God needed to do. Until they threw Jonah over, God couldn't redeem Jonah. And there's some things that some of you are trying to hold on to, trying to, trying to, trying to row through, trying to fight through, trying to just keep quiet and just trying to work through. But if you just throw it over, God could redeem it. God could heal it. And actually what's holding back the healing is your inability to let it go and we're asking God to heal and God's just saying throw it over but you say well what what what's going to happen if I throw it over if I let it go if I lay it down God's saying well just trust me just trust me because what we're prepared to lay at his cross he's able to surrender uh, what we surrender at the cross he's able to redeem but he can't redeem what we're not prepared to surrender what we're not prepared to let go and so he surrendered the direction he surrendered the things but one thing says we finish Jonah struggled to surrender he struggled to surrender his heart because all this takes place and then Jonah gets up in front of the people and he declares the word of God the whole city turns back to God 
God's grace is extended towards the city. And then Jonah looks at the grace of God and gets angry at God. Gets angry at God. Because Jonah wanted justice. Jonah wanted them to be overthrown. Jonah wanted them to be destroyed. He was going to proclaim the, the wrath of God, not the, not the grace of God. But God chose to act in the way God wants to act. And Jonah had surrendered his direction at this point, but he still hadn't yet surrendered his heart. In fact, what happens is God then takes Jonah out of the city and he's sitting down by a shade and he makes a shelter and God blows it away. Then Jonah gets angry and what happens is God provides a plant. A plant grows up and shades him, but then the plant dies. And Jonah gets angry at God. And God turns for the sake of time. We won't turn there in Scripture, but you can read it in the end of of Jonah in in chapter 4. Jonah turns to God angry at him for taking away the plant. And God at the end of the day turns back to Jonah and says, hey, you you had no part in creating this thing. You had no part in growing this thing. You had no part, yet you're angry that, that it is destroyed. How much more should I care for those people? I created them. I put destiny, yeah, they've turned from me, but I care for them. How much more? And tomorrow at the end of that, the, 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 the message we can take from that, that moment between Jonah and God is at the end of the day, Jonah cared more about a dying plant than dying people. Cared more about the dying plant in his life than the dying people in his world. Because he had surrendered his direction, he had surrendered out everything else, but he hadn't yet surrendered his heart to the heart of God. See, there's some Christians and Christians have done a lot of damage in this world. We've done damage in this world because we're surrendered to the plan of God, but not the heart of God. We've said the Christian thing, but not with God's heart. We've promoted the Christian thing and we've preached the Christian word, but we haven't embraced the Christian heart towards a broken humanity. A God's heart towards what this world needs is not just obedient Christians in our, in our actions, but obedient Christians in our heart in the stature of our hearts that I don't just obey the Word but I also lay my heart down before God I surrender my heart God I love those you love I'll care for those you care for and I actually let my heart come into alignment because for some of us and I've been at moments of my journey with God where I've obeyed because I knew it was the right thing to do And then God's taking me on a journey of actually getting my heart behind it. There's times where God will say, hey, move this, and and you move out of obedience, and that's a good first step. But I say, you've got to let your heart catch up to what God's doing. Because for some of you, you treat God like this, or or there's been times in my life where I've treated God like this. It's like, you know, like when a kid is, is, you know, his siblings growing up, and you hurt your sibling, and they tell on you, and uh, your parents bring you in, and hey, say sorry. Oh, sorry. You say what you should say, but you don't mean what you say. Your heart's not behind it. The more you do it, eventually your heart catches up, you know, and your parents keep you there until they feel like you mean it. No, say it properly. Okay, say it with a smile. They get you to say it until your heart gets behind it. It's the same even when it comes to surrender to God. I don't want you to just surrender to the plan of God just because you should but actually surrender your heart to God say God I I choose your will I choose to trust you with what's in my life 
But then God, I also choose you to get your heart, my heart, and behind it. I remember year 13, ending that school, the last thing I wanted to do was stay where God told me to stay. But I did it out of obedience. And about three years later, I remember sitting there one day and just seeing what God was doing in my life and saying, God, man, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. It took three years, but eventually my heart caught up to it. My heart caught up to it. And I, I don't know where you're at tonight. Some of you are in this point where there's things you feel God prompting on your heart that you should be doing. And you're ignoring it. You're putting it off. I remember putting off university because I didn't feel, I felt the prompting of God, but I didn't feel like it was within my skill set, within my ability. But God's saying, no, I have to surrender that. Surrender into that. There's things God's laying on your heart that you're running from that God's saying, come on, would you surrender? Would you trust me? For some of you, there's some things you're holding on to that God's saying, hey, would you just throw that over? That you're just trying to row your way through, but God's saying, hey, would you just trust me with that? If you throw it over, I can redeem it. If you surrender it, I can, I can redeem it. But you've got to trust me with it. And for some of you, you've got to get your heart caught up to the direction God's taking you. For some of you, I know when you first moved to Auckland, it takes about a good two years for your heart to catch up. I remember first moving to Auckland. The first year, I was like, why God? <laughs> the second year, my heart caught up. I was like, oh, this is why God. Now I'm like, mate, where else would I live? <laughs> but we're all in Auckland here, hopes at least. So I can say that here. My heart caught up. And I just feel like for some of you, there's a moment tonight. For, you've been obedient to God. You've surrendered to God. But I believe there's even a chance for you to let your heart catch up to what it is. Some of you are second, third year into a degree. You started that degree because you felt God tell you to. But third year, you're like, oh, I don't know about this. Come on, let your heart engage with what it is God asks you to do. You've done it out of obedience. Now let your heart catch up. 